welcome, welcome, welcome to the Shut the Funk Up podcast. I am the well-fed boy, and as always, I am joined by just my number one partner in crime, my my resident videographer at gigs, mm. my, uh, my, uh, I'm just, this one's coming right off the top of the dolo right here, my giggle daddy. That's me, Jay Lit the Kid, what it do? What is going on? What is going on? How is everyone doing out there? We have an exciting show for you. Yes, we do. We have an exciting show for you. We um we've got a we have a little special guest for you guys this week. We're mm-hmm. uh, really excited for it. Um, we uh we 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 wanted to talk about the Israel Palestine stuff, so I called Jordan in the beginning of the week about it. Said we should probably hit on this topic, like you know. It's uh you know I we've got my I had my resident Jew on the uh, on the pod here as That's I always me. do and Jordan went even deeper in his pocket mm. and he pulled out uh he pulled out a, a gem for us yeah so uh, we got we have we have boots on the ground we wanted to get um, an unfiltered perspective from a good friend of mine Brian Sussman Oren um, Brian Oren Brian ex- Oren now excuse me yeah, yeah. Brian Oren uh, we wanted to you know. Get a little bit more information. What was going on over there? Yeah, and then of course, just just even like you said, scratch the surface of just some of his experiences, life, uh, just music, music, music stuff. He's, just, yeah, he's a total music fucking geek like us. So. Yeah, so uh, we're we're pretty excited to to share that stuff with you, just because it's you know you know you, you thought we were gonna zig and then we zagged. Yeah, yeah. Guess what? Like. We can we're, we we can we we got a little Geraldo Rivera in us, you know what I mean? We've got a little uh Anderson Cooper, okay? Yeah. We can do that, okay? We can do it all. Yeah. Uh you know, we can we can dig deep in and become, you know, established journalists. Yes. Yeah. Like that that's that's nothing. That's nothing to us over here. Yeah. So, uh yeah, so uh, we'll we'll call up Brian here in a little bit. He's uh like he's like I said he's over in Israel, so it's like Seven hours ahead. Yeah, it's like ten to ten p.m. his time. So uh, we'll we'll squeeze in a quick interview for him before uh, he has to go to night night. But or, but it was dope though because he's over there. Like, hey, we got to get this done. Yeah. My Lakers are on, <laughs> and so like, although he's over there, he's still like, you know, yeah. doing some stuff. You know, he's, yeah, he's he, trying to catch a game. Yeah, he called yesterday. He's like, hey, can we bump that interview up an hour early? He's like, I'm trying to watch the Lake Show. Yeah, and I said, absolutely, my guy. Playoff basketball, you gotta lock in. Yeah, man. So uh, get 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 ready for that. That 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 that'll be a fun little interview. Um, how was your weekend, bud? Weekend was good. Prepping, uh, just just the saga. The house continues. We're prepping it. We're about to start doing the kitchen. So did uh, you know? Just got the house ready. Floors um, are going in. Yeah, floors, kitchen, bathrooms are getting finished, and then. Are we going to have a little uh, thing once it's all said and done? Am I coming over for meats oh, and cheeses? Or, oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to... Barbecue uh, in the back. Big barbecue. I think we'll pull out the cajachina, and I think yeah. we're going to throw down with the big pig. Oh, I, I think we got to put some lechon, you know. Yeah, baby. Some lechon has got to be cooked at that house, like, as soon as possible. We got to break it in. Yeah. Get the smells and it's seeping into the floors and the walls. Exactly. You know, that, that house, whoever was in it before, they don't know about that lechon. No. No, no, no. 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 Um, so yeah, so let's just, um, let's open the janitor's closet. Here are the keys. 
oh, so I should put some WD-40 on that door, I guess. You got it in the closet here? Yeah, I do. I, <laughs> it's weird that I didn't notice it every other week when the door opens. I think there, I think your closet might, uh, you know, might there's some, ghosts. There's, there's there might some have paranormal <laughs> activity in there. There's some door ARSMs yeah. out there that love, that were just got yeah. off on that sound. Yeah. <laughs> You went quiet for me, too. I made that sound looking dead into your eyes. Well, you didn't make that sound. That The door... Yeah, the door made that sound. Yeah, the door yeah, made yeah, that yeah. sound. Um, so let's just... Let's let's get into it. Uh, last week, the go-goes. Um, I will say this. I am still a go-go. I'm uh-huh. not a no-go. Um, you are right. They, they started a little punky mm-hmm. and then took a very sharp left a turn sharp. Toward, t- toward Popsville. Very sharp. Yeah, they they ended up in like the mayor of Popville by the end. Quick in and out too, and, and yeah. you know they were they were only there on like a they were renting for. Yeah, but I will say though, um, and we we talked about it last time. I think there's definitely something to the you know kind of being the first to land on the moon type situation. You know, that's what that was. All girl punk band eventually you know went more pop and mainstream as they as they gained more success, but. I think people like that need to be recognized, and I think that that it's important uh, to do so. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, you know, they, they didn't have a lot, but they were the first ones there. So, like you said, yeah, they had to be recognized. Yeah. Um, also, I know we talked about uh, our little weekend catch up, but uh, Friday night, let's just do a recap very quickly. Mm-hmm. Friday night, the the first gig back, the re-release into the wild. Mm. If, if you, if I may, and it was wild. It was wild. They ran out of everything. Did they? Dude, they Did ran just... out of like almost all their beer. Their all all the whiskey was gone. We just depleted their resources. They were not ready for that shit. Good. I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. And and I quote: When everyone left, and I was breaking down my equipment, and it was just you know me and the the bar staff and the owners. The owner came walking over to me, and just deadpan straight fucking face looks at me and goes dude your friends can fucking drink mm. <laughs> i was like yeah he goes oh my god <laughs> he's like he's like he goes they were grab beer they'd be back in 15 20 minutes we're looking for another beer well i'm glad that we put a noticeable dent in their supply they were not ready for that smoke Good. But it was fun. Ginger's. uh, Yeah, shout out to Ginger's. Shout out to Ginger's Bar and Restaurant. Tons of fun. Thank you for everybody coming out. Um, I felt good about it. Yeah, your your set was fire. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It was a long one, man. I I wasn't expecting that, but the vibes were right, so I just kept going. Yeah, man. uh, You were back into into mid-season form. Mm -hmm. Seemed like you held up pretty good in the third and fourth quarters. Uh, Yeah. You threw up a triple-double, fucked around and got a triple-double. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was great. Um, It felt... I had a very... um, Just a very prophetic, just almost like the earth is healing moment for the week like leading up to it. Cause I was like, I can't remember the last time like going out in public and I was like looking forward to something. Yeah. For the week. I think everyone was like that too. Yeah, and I'm sure that's that probably, you know, overflowed into the bar tab a little bit. But <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it was it was just good to get out, be seen, see friends again. Dress um, up a little bit, a little dancing. Yeah. And um, it's good because I think it was the first time everybody has gotten together and seen each other. Like all of like our people and friends, like everyone 
Yes. For like first time, everyone actually, everybody was back together. I don't like. I don't know if we we've, we've all. No, really definitely done that. not. No, definitely not. That was probably like the you know, and it was it was good, nice open space outside. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was good. Um, also, just very quickly, uh, Jay's kosher dandies have grown by did a, you, by another. Did you get a couple recruits come up to you and say? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, you know, I'll, I guess Jay's, it was. I Jay guess you did. Matter. You did play. You did play some music at the meet and greet. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my number one fan, uh, Alicia. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out to my I girl. She was mine, but it's all good. No, she's a Jay's kosher dandy. She was funny. She was so cute. I was talking with her. I was I was excited to see Alicia. We have a we have a, a cool little special bond and background. But I'm sitting there talking to her at the at the bar. And she's so cute. She goes, "Is that is is that Jaylet the kid?" And she's pointing over at you, talking to my sister, which you guys were talking about soaking, I believe. Uh, <laughs> you came over. You're yeah. like, "Yes, what we're talking about." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, that's him." And she's like, "Oh shit!" It was like it was uh, it was a funny. I was like, "Yeah, J- Jordan, get over here," you know. And then I think uh, you just you you took her from me. Yeah, yeah. No, she's uh, you know the army has gained another soldier, and it's good to good to have you. Um, and Do I was, have any? You, uh, I don't know. I don't even know. If the if Newell's Newell's kids on the block, make yourself known out there. Jay's kosher dandies. My guy, we're more of like SEAL Team Six. You know, we're uh, we're there. We're we're ever present. You don't know where, but we're there. Mm. You know. Yeah. Uh. But just it was it was great to get out there. Great to mix it up a little bit. Stretch the legs. They were creaky. Uh. It felt good. I was sore the next day. Good. I was sore the me next too. day. Me too. The funk got to me. I, I I may or may not have gotten a text message from your wife that mm. night at about two o three in the morning and said and and it said, you know it was a good night when Jordan right now as we speak is sitting on the floor of the shower. Correct. Letting it just rain down on him and wash away the sins. Of the pollu- the pollution, yeah, just, and just um, a, a, a smile went across my face, lit up by my my phone screen, and uh, sweet dreams were, were were made after that. I'm picturing the cat, the Cheshire cat, yeah, just that grin, yeah, uh, just curling Job the corners, well done. yeah, uh, yeah. I was at the end there, just a trash bag caught on a stick, blowing in the wind. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> as, as accurate I, as I eloquently explain that. Uh, but that's how you know it was good. That's yeah, it was a really, really good night. I think uh, everybody had fun. Um, had a lot of there's you know it's, you had the random people come up giving me the stamp of approval. I had an old white man come up to me uh, and say, "You are way too young and of the wrong uh, color <laughs> skin to be playing the music that you're playing." And he's like, "And I love it." That's a con- that's a that's as high as a compliment as you'll yeah. get. Uh, also, I, I, this is, uh, something that's always happened as someone who is, you know, always at the shows and the gigs that you're playing. It was great. We were, we were, you know, over by the, uh, the wheels of steel and someone, some random had come up and asked, had a request. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, do you remember the song? Uh, I remember the song. Well, and what was it? It was, he had a, he had a, he I saw him coming from afar because he stopped at the table in front of me and whipped and he starts digging in his pocket for his wallet. So mm. now I'm already knowing what's happening. Yeah, you're clocking him. And at he that wads point. up a 20. He's got a wadded up 20 in his hand. It was a 20 spot? It was a 20 spot in his hand. And he was like, he was coming for the bribe. And he said, hey, man, 
Can you play uh, 50 Cent, Hate It or Love It? And you promptly did not break did not break the stare, just said no. <laughs> yeah, there was absolutely no. He was in shock. He looked at his hand with the crumpled up, uh, um, you know, 20 in his hand and, you know, saying, do you, you don't see what I'm about to give you? And I looked at him and with my eyes, I said, I see, I don't care. That is, uh, it, it, it's, it always brings a... He took it well. A, yeah, he did. He did. Usually he, they he go, what? They make a whole thing like, like, as if, like, I work for them. Well, he was a dude also, and I feel like I, there's been plenty of times, like, at Casa Marina up in Jacksonville, where it would just be, like, the little basic bitch white chick that would come up and be like, where, do you have Nicki Minaj? Well, and, and the requests always, they're always the same thing. Cause like, I always laugh and I just want to say to these people, do you hear what I'm playing? Yeah. They always come up. It's just like, I'm playing like, you know, I'll be playing this. And it's like, Hey, can you play some Toby Keith? It's like, do you list? Are you, are you even like flowing with what I'm doing here? Like I, I, I'm not playing G unit. There's none of that's going on. I'm playing a little bit of hip hop, but it's like, it's Tupac. Yo, we're playing like. Yeah, old the, shit. You hear how you you notice how you haven't really known any of the songs because they're all just like sweet deep cuts. We're not gonna play like your mainstream rap song in the middle of just That's like these these wanted. these thick select cuts. Yeah, he was like, yeah, yeah, he wanted like Mace or something, and I was just like, buddy. So yeah, that was that was great. Um, so shout out again to Ginger's Bar. Uh, we will be back. We will be back. I, uh, yeah. Prepare accordingly, I guess, next time. Yeah, prepare accordingly because we're going to be coming back um, harder and, and bigger than ever. Yeah. You know? Okay, so um, I think it's time, and I hope you have something ready now. What did you learn this week? Okay, what did I learn this week? Okay, um... We had another. Uh, we had another little uh, Sea World incident. Oh, oh. Um, uh, you know, uh, one of the orcas, you know, grabbed one of the trainers and drugged that mug all the way down to the bottom. The orca letting you know, you know, you don't run this shit. I run this shit. Mm-hmm. And what I learned this week, which maybe I'm a little late to the game, there's probably gonna be a lot, a lot of listeners that go, "You didn't know that already." Well, this is no, I didn't. I learned this week. I learned this week. <laughs> That's the, the segment. I learned this week that that shit, orcas don't fuck with humans in the wild. It's only when we put them in these uh, these these captivity situations and they get like frustrated and pissed off and stuff, and then that's when they 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 fucking go out and they they're killing humans they, in the wild. They don't fuck with humans. They don't drag you around. They don't. They they want nothing to do with us out there. It's only when we fuck with them, uh, you know, at SeaWorld and stuff. So, um, if basically sea- the prison guards. Right. So like SeaWorld, you've been on notice. I don't I it's kind of it's Are kind we, of crazy that you're still actually cancellation in station? I Are mean, they there? I would love to bring them into cancellation station, but like there's probably just so much money being pumped behind them, but it's, we're getting to a point where we might have to cut this shit out, man. Like how many like like these these mother these animals don't like it. I'm comfortable with just uh you know, I guess you ha- you once you kind of domesticate them if i'm putting like serious air quotes around that um i don't know if those maybe killer whales can be released back in the wild but yeah get I, i'm fine with just getting all the animals out of there and just having sea world implode into itself yeah and like, just pave like make it a, a car a car uh, like a parking lot yeah like guys if you want you know if you want to go fucking see a whale jump up and splash you and get you all wet 
just come over to my house on a Saturday and I'll do a fucking cannonball by the pool and you can get you can get all that you can get that whale fucking there you go water all over your shit much cheaper too much cheaper okay? much cheaper um okay I didn't know that yeah so I, they definitely fuck I knew they fucked people they, they, up in the has, past yeah they brought this this whale snatched up the trainer by the foot dragged her all dead right uh no 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 he dragged her all the way down he, you know got to a point where like oh shit oh shit oh shit and then let her go just kind of like you know put her on notice oh so so the last one that I heard about they drug well, him to the ground yeah. and like that was like the they, food yeah they, yeah they, they yeah they they killed they've killed other ones they they do this from time to time they get frustrated mm. okay so that's um, what I learned this week. well I also learned that this week then there you go uh this week I learned we actually watched a movie. Uh, it's on Netflix, so you can go. You can go peep it. What do you got? It's called Concrete Cowboys. Okay, never heard. What, yeah, what is just, it? Just came Sounds out. Sounds cool. Just came out, and I realized like halfway. You know, sometimes you're watching a movie, and you do like the. Is this shit real? Is this fucking real? Like, was it based on a real story? Was it, so was it one of those? Or? That's where I I then like like searched online, and the, although the story was mostly fictional they had it was based on like true events mm-hmm. and they had some of the people from that in the movie so you knew like it was being done and told they had some, they had some of the people that were involved on the actual events actually yes. in the movie yes that's always very impressive to me yeah and so and the cool thing was it was also based uh on a novel where the guy basically went and concrete was it again concrete cowboys. cowboys okay and this this the writer who wrote the novel went and like spent time with these people for like up to two years so what is it about so we get a little bit of so yeah no no, no. what it was it was it was cool and uh so basically like on the north side of philly like but in like downtown still okay um they there's like these modern day cowboys and they literally like kept horses in a stable in Philly, in North Philly, and they basically were trying to like teach kids about horses and try to keep them away from like the gangs and the violence and basically turning to street life. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, how they would do that was, you know, you would come and take care of the horses, and they just like had some. They had like a big stable there, and like uh, you know, like a shit building that they rented, and then would like ride the horses on this giant like piece of land. That was just right there, and um, and then at the end of the movie, they you know they're like, hey, these these people were in the movie, and it was just like an interesting thing. Like it had been basically like since the forties. There's just like these still happening. Uh, yeah. So they have yeah, and basically it was all these other stables that had like had people displaced, and they all came here, and they would just it was just like this small like black mostly black community of just like old, you know, still doing the old traditions. And riding these horses and like would ride them all over, kind of like in the streets of Philly. And so, uh, what you learned this week was the wild, wild west is also the wild, wild northeast. Yeah, is that what you learned? Yeah, and just like, and they were talking about. They're like, yeah, you would never equate like North Philly, Mm -mm. you know, to like being like having this kind of hub of just like, I don't want to say misfits, but people from like not this walk of life. Mm -hmm. And it's something that they're still doing to this day. Um, and it's just trying to, you know, keep kids on the straight and narrow and, and, and trying to, uh, you know, just keep them away from that life. So it's right, pretty I'm cool to though. check that out. Yeah. And they and they were, they're called the Fletcher street, like Fletcher street group or, or cowboys. The Fletcher street cowboys. Yeah. Fletcher, we gotta, we the boys get, from Fletcher street. We so. gotta get, we gotta get some, we gotta get one of those t-shirts. Yeah. So, uh, shout out to them. Yeah. Shit was cool. It was, um, Idris Elba's in it. Ooh. And then also the Jack of all trades, that guy love him. Because he's, you know, he's got that that British accent, uh-huh. and he's doing kind of like a, uh, 
He's he's kind of just like the same character from um from The Wire. He's, oh. But but you know like had like transgressions and stuff in the past, but it was just like this modern day cowboy. And his son... He's got the Philly... Does he have the Philly accent going? Like, dude, he's is, like... He's great. Is he at, calling it like the... Oh, go, go, grab me, go grab me a, a bottle of water? You uh, know, like... Well, no. <laughs> the other... Don't, don't they call uh, the other, water water? In the, the other in thing... Like, that and they're always using Johns. Yeah. Is a term up there. But then also... I used that this week with one of my... With, uh, with Chuck. Yeah. And he was like, what the fuck are you saying? I'm like... And I explained it to him and he was not having it. I'm like, okay, you need to get cultured, my guy. The other thing that they say up there a lot, which I just love, is they call each other bull. But like, you know, like a young bull, but it's oh. B-O-U-L. And it was just like, yo, what's up, young bull? I like that. And yeah, That's I was cool. like, I was like, you know, I'd heard that before. Um, but that was just where I was like, all right, I like seeing this different culture, this different shit out there. Yeah, that's cool. Not like everything that. new is bad. You yeah. know what I mean? But it, it's a cool movie. Definitely check it out. The kid from uh, Stranger Things is in it. The black kid from Stranger Things. Okay. Okay. Uh, and he's like, he's like clearly grown up. He is not this little fucking kid. Not anymore. Yeah, but a uh, great movie. I thought it was good. Check it out. All right, um, that that one's on the list. I might have to check that one out tonight because it's Sunday night, and that's usually movie night for Alex. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Watch that. Mm-hmm. Or the other one. Uh, <laughs> actually, you were telling me where you. Yes, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna plug talking, this and other and I was movie. looking for. I couldn't find it. It's on Netflix. It's called Wheels of Fortune. Oh, I was looking up Jeopardy. Wheels of I Fortune. Remember. Damn it. The I, was premise, looking, I was looking for it. The premise is this: this super rich guy dies, and for his son to inherit. His money, he's got to like go out and basically do all these things, yeah, and 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 pass all these tests to like win the fortune. That sounds cool. And it's this guy. I don't know what the main character's name is, but you've seen him in other movies as like in like a very small part, and it's got a very Ricky Bobby kind of like flair to it. It's fucking funny though. All right, that might have to be uh, Wheels of Fortune. That might have to be Wheels. number one. Then you go to Concrete okay. Cowboy. Okay. I, I'm telling you because you you told me about it the other night and uh, last night I was looking for it but I was I thought you said I was looking up Jeopardy shit. If you want the comedy, definitely go that. Uh, Concrete Cowboys is more of a serious like you know drama, but it's also very good. Okay. So yeah. Sweet. All right. I'm check. I'm I'm checking out uh, Concrete Cowboys second wheel uh, wheel of, wheels of fortune wheel of fortune wheels of fortune. Cool. Yeah. So um, should we give this guy a call or what? Uh yeah let's uh let, let yeah let's uh Mikey uh uh ring up uh ring up Brian let's get him on the line here and um, wait what you you don't have his number we you gave mean? you his number last week Jesus Christ dude Mike you got okay are right, you I'm texting it to you now yeah don't don't fucking give us that. don't look at us and give us that we, like Mike we, we told you we're gonna go to you to, to make the phone call and then like you wanna you wanna make fucking noises and like we can't hear you behind the glass first of all yeah and then you wanna make faces and stuff as if like we don't know what we're doing we're in the driver's seat bud yeah you're recording us yeah. not the other way around you okay Mike you you've him? never been in a recording ever he, now he's like I, now 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 he's cutting us off like he's on the phone now okay like you guys can stop yeah Okay. All right. So we got him. Yeah. Push. Put. Put him through. All right. Let's go. All right. All right. All right. I think we've got Brian on the line. Uh, Brian, are you there? Brian, live from. Uh, where are we at? Brian, yeah, where, where are, are we? you from? So I'm calling in from Abu Tor, Jerusalem. Abu Tor. Oh wow, you are in ground zero. That's right in it. You're in the thick of things. Wow. 
Yeah, you could say that. It's it is a it is a, it's a city on the seam of Jerusalem. It's like it's like a, where the green line where they they drew a green line in 1948 where the ceasefire line existed. And so I'm actually living on the Jewish side, but the other half of my town used to be Jordan. Ooh, complicated though. Wow, we're already getting we're diving right in. You know what I mean? That's the stuff. That's, that's the stuff we needed though. Over there, it's just it, it's a, it's an everyday. It's 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 like it's normal to them. There's and and is there a lot of um. Is there a lot of lines, like former lines in places? I bet where, there's many a lines over there. You know what I mean? Where there's just, you know, certain people were here, but now they're there. This used to be where this was occupied. And you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I actually have a really good story about that. Well, all right. Hold, let's Before we get into these amazing stories, uh, state... Uh, state your name for the people out there. We are a podcast of middle names, so we we want to get that middle name in there. But before we get that middle name in there, just we were talking about this before the show here, and I proposed to Jordan. I said, "Do you know Brian's middle name?" Because for uh, the listeners out there, uh, Jordan and Brian go way back. Um, so that's the connection. That's how we got, like you know, our, our man on the ground floor there in uh, in in Israel. So do you have and do you, do you have any? I have some any guesses. Guesses of what I have you guesses. think. I'm, middle name I is. wrote a few down. I'm. I want to say I have low confidence level. Low. Low confidence level. I feel like it was uttered back in the day, and I'm not. Uh, this is like roommates newlyweds right now, and I think I'm kind of fucked. Okay, let's go. Um, is it Adam? You said Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, but actually you're, you're not going to get it. I actually just changed my name. <laughs> Whoa, wait. So, all right. What, what, what was it? What was it? It was Alan. Alan. Did you have that on there? I had Saul, David, and Ezra were my other options. Wow. <laughs> I think those were just caricature guesses. Yes, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Did you grab the Bible when I was in the bathroom? And Well, I was thinking, I, I mean... I was thinking, yeah, a little biblical, maybe a Jewish name that it, because Jew, Jewish people, we typically name middle names after a, a like a past relative. Okay, so form, uh, formally known as. But actually, the Jewish traditions are different. So if you're um, Sephardi or Mizrahi, often you'll name your kid after someone who's living, whereas if you're Ashkenazi, you'll name them after someone who passed away. Well, there you go. Love that. And you're Sephardic, right? And I'm Ashkenazi. So those are the those are the two different. We're both Ashkenazi. We're both Ashkenazi. See, man, this is gonna be like I can already tell that this is gonna be a Jew off, and you're gonna lose. I'm, no, I'm I'm. He's gonna lap me. He's yeah. He's going to. <laughs> so just, all right. So you guys let's are playing one on one, and it's not looking good. Yeah, he's gonna run the score up. What play one on one one time, and uh, it did not look good for him then either. No. Oh, shots fired. He, We're not even talking about Israel yet. Brian can hoop. Yeah. Brian can hoop. I'll give him that. Well, Brian said that we had to bump up the uh, the the recording today because he had to watch his Lakers. Which Lake respect. show, baby. Respect. Okay, so what is the middle name now? Yes. Let's let's get that part of it. Cool. So um so I, I changed my well, first of all, we changed our last name when we got married to Oren. It's kind of cool. Um, we both wanted to change our names, and her dad's mom in Poland was Pinevsky, 
which means son of pine in Polish. And we knew we were coming to Israel and we wanted something that was easy to say in um, Hebrew and in English. And so we changed it to Oren, which means pine. And so we sort of kept the essence of my, of Tamar's grandmother's name. Oren, that's Hebrew for pine? Exactly. Gotcha. See, like that's way cooler. That's the coolest middle name story that we've yeah, ever had. God. And you're really setting a precedent. So, so at the so I had the opportunity both to change all of my names and I really love my Hebrew middle name when I got when I was 8 days old at the synagogue and it's Hanan. And uh Wait, is that what's is so is that what's in Okay. We have Hebrew names. Well, no, that's t- uh, that's what makes sense cuz when I was when I was sending him the uh the link his email was Brian Hanan Oren, and, and, when, and when and when we were look because he was at that point trying to think of your middle name, and I was looking at the email, and I was like, "Wait, I think this might be maybe this is," and I didn't want to say it out loud, but now it all makes sense because I was like, "Brian, what is this these group of letters behind your name?" There you go. Gotcha. All right, so let's uh, let's dive into it. Um, we're super excited to have you. Thank you for coming on. Um, you know, last week we had kind of thought about going over the uh, you know the Israeli Palestine thing that's going on, but you know we pick and choose when we want to get like really serious on these things. But then this week hit, and I called up Jordan, and I was like, "Yo, kind of want to talk about this." Uh, Let's bone up. Let's let let's dive right into it. And then he was like, "Yo, Brian is uh, he's there. Like maybe we can call him." So we're happy to have you on. And we kind of want to get uh, we want to get your views, obviously, on like what's going on over there because you are plugged into the situation. So right now, as it stands, I know there's now a ceasefire. Correct? Yeah, there there's a ceasefire between um, Hamas who controls Gaza and yes. the government of Israel. Um, so, so I feel like it's, it's so complicated because I, I feel like to the broader world, that's what the only thing that people are seeing or mo- the most thing that people are seeing, right? This um, acute, you know, the last 10 days sort of rocket fest between Hamas right. and, and Israel. But there's, there's also a lot of other things going on that I don't think get enough airtime. Like, it's kind of scary, but in um, sort of a lot of mixed cities around Israel, in Haifa, in Lod, um, in Ramle, a lot of cities where Arabs and Jews are on top of each other. Um, you could also call them Palestinians and Jews. Um, the, the, you know, people have been um, lynching each other. And um, it's Just sort of, religion. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, religion, you know, I, it also has to do with a lot of stuff going on on the ground, you know, like people um, evicting other people, you know, people moving in on other people's communities, you know, and feeling like they're not getting the social services that they, they should be getting. Um, and then there's, uh, you, you might have heard the term um, Sheikh Jarrah. No, no so what's that? that? So there's, there's, there's a lot of things going on in Jerusalem and um, yeah, like right on top of me, and and so I, I posted the other day on my on my um, on my wall. But like for me, I, like it, when it gets nighttime, I can hear what I think. I, I don't really know exactly what it is because I'm not on top of it. But I've seen a lot of videos of like stun grenades and tear gas like shots, mm-hmm. and I can hear that often. 
and what I, I think that is, is um, there've been like a really beautiful, like uh, social activism from Palestinians who are like trying to say, hey, um, we don't think it's just how we're being evicted from our homes in East Jerusalem. And, and um, sort of in a really, in a way that I think a lot of Americans can understand because we just saw the way that the police sort of clamped down on protests, um, you know, in the wake of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the police have been really aggressive towards the people who have been protesting or just people who are living, um, living their lives. And, and like, I, it's, it's been really complicated. You know, the, the police have also like shot stun grenades up on Al-Aqsa Mosque, which I, you know, it's like really, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a pretty. So I want to, I kind of want to, I want to touch on the eviction thing. Cause that is one thing that I have heard. I, I forget I was in, I think it was San Diego, like two or three years ago when I was taking an Uber. And that was the first time where, um, uh, I believe the guy was Palestinian and he was telling me how the Israeli police actually, you know, they go in, you know, illegally and they kick these Palestinians out, you know, like, you know, just in the middle of the night and stuff. Is that stuff actually really happening? And how do we feel about that? Now we feel terrible about it. Um, there's a lot, there's so many different like battlefronts of this mess. How is that able to happen? Is that just corruption in, in, in is, how is that able to happen? So, so I mean, a, there, you know, there are a lot of different contexts for this, but, but for the Sheikh Jarrah one, I'll give, get really specific. So there's this law that was passed, I think in the seventies that said, if you're a Jew, so, so basically there was a, a, a war in 1948, right? And um, basically a lot of Palestinians were, were made refugees, were evicted from their homes, were sent um, to the, this green, the west side or the east side of the green line, right? Like they had to, they had to flee or they, they've, been, they've been in Lebanon, they've been in Syria, they've been all over the Middle East as refugees, right? Mm-hmm. And essentially in 1967, there was another war that was fought and Israel, it, it conquered basically all of the land, like all of the land that we think is Israel, right? From the Dead Sea to the Mediterranean. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and when that happened, all of the Jews, so, so there, were, there was like a 20 year, let's say gap between when Jews were living on, on the east side of this green line and when, um, you know, there was like a 20 year gap when Jordan controlled some of the land that, you, yeah, that yeah. used to be used to be a part of, of, of like what was British mandate Palestine. And right. basically after after Jews went back into this land that wasn't theirs, they said, hey, um, we want our land back. And that's what they're saying now. They're saying, um, you know, this was Jewish land before 1948 and this border was drawn. And and now we have that, bo- you know, we're we like have that border again. Sorry, I'm not doing a very good job of explaining. This. Well, no, basically they said there was like an arbitrary line that it, it's not just arbitrary. This is the, this was our land. We want it back, even though you're basically on it at this point. Right. 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 Oh yes. Okay. So that's what it is on the surface, but it's a lot more. Of course. Yeah. Because it, you're, you're displacing people. Right. So who are the people that are there now? Right. They, <laughs> so in 1948 they were living in what is now israel and they were 
expelled. They were made refugees. They were banished. I don't, I, there's like a more sad word for that to, to Jordan side. You know, Israel said, we're creating a new state. Go over there. Like you can't be here. And yeah. well, the yeah. Jordanian government set, this was the new, a newly part of their, their country. They said, Hey, you, you're going to get settled over here right? I'm, you're a refugee. I need to figure out where you live. You're going to get settled over here, right? And so they start this, the whole community of Sheikh Jarrah built, like they built up at this moment, right? After 1948, they were refugees. They got control of this new land, right? And so now, now like a settler organization that wants to see all of Jerusalem in the control of Jews is saying, okay, technically before 1948, this was Jewish land. And because technically before 1948, this was Jewish land, even though you had to flee as refugees, like we're going to take this land back from you. So like on the surface, like there's like a technicality, this is Jewish land. And there are laws that say, yeah, it is probably Jewish land, but it's like really unfair because, you know, here's this Jewish person saying, well, before 1948, it was my land. And so now it's my land now. So but Palestinians who are all over the Middle East cannot say the exact same thing. And so there's this huge double standard that's really sad that Palestinians are trying to say, hey, there's something wrong here. Um, and, and, and they're trying to sort of bring light to this really tragic double standard where Palestinians can't go back and say, hey, you stole my land. Like, I want it back where I want to be compensated. It's only like a one-way system. And that's very unfair. And mm-hmm. so, uh, like, about that, you know, do you think that there's a kind of look in the mirror type situation going on with, with Jews having traversed so many different lands, not really having their own, they get everything set up here and, you know, due to a technicality and base or whatever you want to call it, they're basically removing people from this land that was theirs and, and they're kind of, kind of doing what was done to them in a sense. Is that, I don't know if maybe that's the best way to, to phrase it, um, but you know, they're like, look, you know, <laughs> to be like really, to they, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know if it's exactly one to one, you know. Yeah, no, 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 not at all. Uh, but but uh, but yeah, there is there's a certain level of hypocrisy, definitely, where it's like, you know, we've been trying to have a home for two thousand years, and finally we get a home, and it doesn't seem like we're willing for for um, we're willing to share that home with anyone even if there were people there when we got right Mm -hmm. yeah and it's i mean you look at the same you know i don't want to equate it to the same thing here but you know we came over to america and took and took the land and said we're going to put you guys over in this area but you don't really get to choose where you're going to be and then later we then you know took it again and and it's a you know a situation where i'm sure that causes a lot of resentment between different settlements and different factions with obviously different religions involved there too but you know and and just like how lines have been drawn up in other countries with with borders that I guess have moved in the past and become ambiguous, you know, your family could have been just on the other side of that. And now, you know, you're having to leave. And and how does that make you feel about those people that are, that are, that are now occupying that land? Right. Right. Well, and I want to talk, I want to, I want to kind of just touch on, uh, this iron dome. Okay. Now I don't know about for you, Jordan, but I was definitely unaware of this Iron Dome. 
this thing. I knew about the technology. I, I know that, like, I think United States has it, like, on the White House. If you try to shoot, you know, rockets, we got things that will shoot them down. Now, those couple of days of watching that Iron Dome in effect, I mean, impressive. Impressive. I mean, that thing's working. But, I, you know, the sad part, too, it was probably built out of necessity, right? Because, oh, yeah. like, they did, they did. I mean, because I remember you had lived in Israel before we were roommates. Um, and, and you said that it was kind of a, a casual thing or it, you made it seem like it was something that most Israelites and people are kind of used to having in their environment. And it was a little bit of like, of like an adjustment. What, what, what was the, the Iron Dome specifically? That's like the, the, the rockets that shoot. Yeah. I, I remember, yo, I, yo, I, um, you know her, I, Chelsea Spaz. Yeah. Shout out Chelsea Spaz. Yo, you got a twin sister, Leah Spaz. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I was sitting at a bar with Chelsea in 2014, maybe during the last Gazan or during the, like a, um, I don't know if it was the last Gazan war. There are so many, it's hard to keep track, but one of the big there, last yeah. ones. Um, and, and I, I was like at a bar with her and I was drinking like Arak and, and uh, there's this like really good anise um, like liqueur called Arak. And as you, the the common drink here is arak and grapefruit juice. It's like really good, and it's good yeah. for a hot day. And it's like summertime, and and we're like drinking aracs and grapefruit juice. And and I like look up, and the Iron Dome like hit, uh, you know, a rocket out of the sky. And like we sort of look back at each other and go back to our conversation. And um, you know, on one hand, as you're saying, like it's very much, um, you know. The sensationalist way that the media is portraying this place as only bombs is definitely not true. Like uh, right. most and of my life right now has been has been uh, you know pretty what, what pretty normal. But also like we were we were just at a barbecue with some friends and we were barbecuing away and they went to go put their baby down for sleep and he walked downstairs and he was like, you know, like. They just declared that, like, some Islamist organization declared that they might like send a bomb to Jerusalem at 5 p.m. So just like, be aware of that. And I, I, I don't like. We were just having a nice barbecue, and I just like didn't know what to do, and so I just spent the next 20 minutes just cleaning this kid's kitchen because I, I just like needed to control something small because right. it was right. so heavy. So let me ask you that. That kind of brings on like, do you do you feel safe? Do you feel safe right now? Is this a situation where, you know, it, it seems very unknown every day or is it is it more of, like you said, sensationalist stuff in the media or, you know, how close are you to some of the stuff that's going on? Pretty close. I to be honest, I really want to go to protests, but I don't speak good enough Hebrew for me to, like, be in a really intense situation and feel like I'm comfortable, like, communicating. Um because you, because you don't yeah. know. Because you, I, I don't feel unsafe. No. I, I mean, I like. I guess, like, I, I feel unsafe from the rockets. But like, I think the way that the the way that the people have been talking recently, it's like, do you feel unsafe that like, you know, dangerous Palestinian elements will be coming for you? You know, like, I don't feel like that. That's the case. We we need to see. <laughs> you know, there are some violent people in this world on both sides and and most of the people are afraid and trying to live their lives and don't want you know want to do that with a good job and running water and for people to clean up their streets and 
and I think that those are the issues that like really are going to make this society a better place. You know, like we only talk about the conflict when Hamas is, is firing rockets or when Israel's firing rockets, but like, man, like I, I was just reading a policy paper about my community the other day. I just moved into this community and it was saying that like, you know, the, well, the Jewish part is gorgeous. Like, oh my God, you have to come here. It's so beautiful. I want to take you on a walk. But like down the hill, which didn't, you know, down the hill is the Arab part. And, and like they don't have wide enough streets for the garbage trucks to go through. And so there's no garbage pickup. And so they like don't have running. They're not connected to the city's water. And so it's like, like I, I want to deal with all that stuff, man. Like it's, well, how, how dare we how dare we annex part of East Jerusalem and not give them running water and enough parks or schools to go to? Like, that's so inhumane. That is, that's the, see, the, see, that's, I like that. See, that's but, stuff you don't, you, yeah. you, no one gets to hear that shit. I agree. And so do you think, I, I don't want to generalize by any means, but do you think that um, a lot of the people like in your life and the people that you're talking to and, and I'm sure whenever these conflicts arise and they're a little bit more in public, it becomes more of a topic. But do you think that that's the general sentiment? Um, you know, the way that you're thinking among among is Israel, yeah, or is yeah. this, or is this something where you think most of them feel justified in what's happening? They want the, their their land back, and they're going to do whatever is is required to basically to do that. Yeah, I feel like that the second option that you just laid out, like, it seems like so many people here are so traumatized by a history of everyone pointing fingers and rockets at this place that like trying to engage them in like a substantive conversation about, um, it's like progression. Like progression rights is like really hard. They're, they're constantly in like a fight or flight mentality in a way that's really difficult. And at the same time, like, I don't, I don't want to sell this whole community short. Like there's such beautiful work being done here. I have a bunch of friends who work at this school called hand in hand. And it's like a joint Israeli Palestinian school. And like the kids learn alongside each other. They learn in Hebrew, they learn in Arabic and like, and there's just like people building things from the ground up that are super beautiful. You know, like my buddy Micah, who I live with um, the last time we were here, he started this thing called the Jerusalem Youth Chorus. And he's this like Yale trained choir, choir boy. <laughs> and he, uh, yeah, you should put him on one of your records, Alex. What's up? <laughs> and uh, he came here and he started like the most beautiful choir like that sings, you know. Now, now we did a, t we did. We did it. We did a terrible job of introducing you. Uh, so let's try and do that again. What are you? What so? What uh? What are you? What's your occupation? What are you doing over there? Uh, um, a lot of things. Cause I know you were saying that he, you had first, you had like a Pell grant or what was? Well, that? you had. Was a, I know of? you had. The last time you were over there, you had you had gotten a grant to basically do some. You you were doing music right with. Israeli kids and Palestinian kids. For the listeners out there that don't know, Brian is quite the musician. The man can blow. He's a blow daddy. Yes, he is. He's sax a blow daddy. Yeah, he's a sax daddy, and he's actually a daddy in real life too. Yeah. Hey, sax daddy, real daddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Apparently, we have relatives who also changed their name at the border to Ben Oren, which means son of Oren. And I'm meeting them next week, and all I want to do is say, who's your daddy? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That, let's see how that goes. Yeah, let me know. So, yeah, give us give us the credentials. Give us, like, a little rundown of, of, of yeah. what you're currently doing over there. 
Um, wear a lot of hats. I've been teaching a class actually um, through this organization called Makom about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, which has been really cool. Um, this is why we got this. This is why we got the expert. Is the way that they're doing it is really awesome. So they, instead of saying this is what you need to know about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, they invited like eight people who wear different hats. Um, you know, Palestinians in East Jerusalem. Um, people who live in the settlements, people who... So all perspectives. And in Israel. Yeah, just like, I'm not going to tell you what the conflict is, but I'm going to let these people tell you what their truth is. And let's try to make some sense in from that. And so it's my job to, uh, to like talk, to like have discussions after each speaker. Like moderate a little bit? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Facilitate discussions to, to, for reflection. Cool. And that's got to be pretty thought-provoking, right? Yeah, I so like, like that. you're... And and to me, I think that's really the way, it, uh, you know, let's just say complicated situations should be explained, right? You should hear about it from all angles, not, from rational, from all rational sides. Not just that one documentary. Yeah, and and really get an idea and a and a more circular, you know, idea of of where all these uh, different things are converging, and then kind of make your own opinion based on based that, on right? That, right? Right, right. I, to be honest, that it also aligns with the ways that like historians and history educators would say that history should be taught. Like, you know, take a look at a bunch of primary sources and try to build some truth from the different voices that you're hearing. I've always thought about that with history because, you know, yeah. history is really written by the winners, the winners and stuff. And, I, and I've always wondered and would love to know. You know, when I get to the kingdom of heaven at the gates, and I get that, I get my question that I that I get to ask God. Is that a thing? I thought it's not a thing. You know, you, you get like you get to ask. Like, you know, he tells you you get one question. I'll tell you the truth. And I've always and my I think news my, to me. My question's gonna be like, what were the things that were written in history that we were taught that were just completely bogus? I'll give you one. I think it's what do you got? What is it? What is it? <laughs> The Bible, bro. <laughs> the Bible. The Bible. God's even like, yeah, you're looking at it, bud. Yeah. You idiot. <laughs> I, I was just about to let you in here. Yeah. Sucker. Yeah. Now I can't let you in because you're going to tell everybody. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So let me ask you this also. Um, being over there, like you said, there's always going to be, I don't want to say it twisting of the truth you know everyone's going to report on it the way that they're going to report on it there's many different biases and reasons why people you know you know discuss this or that is there anything that you would want our listeners to know from being over yeah. there boots on the ground that you think is important that maybe isn't isn't really uh you know getting spoken about enough like you had mentioned kind of earlier um just with like some of the inconsistencies or anything in the reporting or, or just kind of how it's looked at. Yeah. Cause we're just seeing rockets and shit over here. And like, that's all there. That's all people are already talking about here. And I, I, yeah, I guess, I, I guess I'd like to think about, I like, I, I'm an Israeli citizen. I, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I, I like want to see, like so badly, I'm I'm brand new here, but I really want to see us talking like uh, us talking about like making Israel a better society in between the moments where rockets are firing. You know, like I I feel like it's so much focused on 
you know, um, they're attacking us now and we need to attack them that we forget to build a really beautiful multicultural society here. And to all of the ways that we can do that, um, you know, by educating properly the kids who, who live here and by like, you know, not displacing people from their homes. And I bet by even doing those little things in between, do so much more, so much more impactful and uniting. Yeah, man. Like no, no one who has a nice house and who has a job and who has a ton to live for is going to, to want your extermination. And I feel like let's, let's build that goodwill as hard as we can. And I bet this society will look so much more beautiful afterward. I but, like that. I like but, that. I uh, and and here's where and I and I know Brian knows this but everything you're saying yeah that's that's really easy to to agree with right in 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 the uh the construct of 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 what you explain there but what I think a lot of people need to understand is that specifically in what's going on in Israel with the Palestinians um that is a very very difficult thing to achieve you know just educating alone where you're coming from different backgrounds of, of, of religion where, you know, you're kind of, I don't want to say taught to not like the other, but it's it's very difficult, I think, to do what you're saying. Although I, I completely agree with that. That's there's There needs to be some compassion and understanding on both sides and some allowance of, of a compromise or I don't know how that, how we get to that point, right? I like, I kind of like that. Bro. I get that. But like, I... I don't know. I, it's like we like Jews and Jews in Israel have a lot of power here, you know. And so, like, if we want to build better schools and running water and sewage systems in East Jerusalem that they annexed in 1967, like we have the power to do that, and it shouldn't be contingent on like them, like like saying that I, I don't know like it shouldn't there shouldn't be strings attached to that that's the right thing to do they live in the society that we control yeah yeah they shouldn't yeah. have to like bow down and kiss feet just to get running water yeah, i mean obviously it's not quite as simple as that alex because it's like you know they often it's like just just acknowledge our right to exist right, right. <laughs> and they right. can't like that that really hasn't been done but also it's like well well, like, I don't, I don't, there's so much talk here about the end. Is it a one state solution? Is it a two state solution? Yeah. And yeah. actually, Brian, I don't want to cut you off. Can you explain the one yeah. and two state solution? Yeah. Because that's something that's often been talked about a lot. I, I understand the concept of it, but for someone who doesn't, you know, yeah. have ties and people over there, I, I kind of want you just to briefly describe that. So people understand what the difference is. Yeah, um, and um, sorry, I, I uh, my computer's about to die. I'm gonna need to charge it in a second. But um, you need to yeah, go grab a charger. charger? The, the two states, yeah, I have a charger. <laughs> do you need to go grab it? Go grab it. Uh, yeah. Go uh, grab let it. me explain this. It's not like dire, dire. Okay. Okay. Uh, um, so real simply, the two state solution is um, two states for two peoples, right? The Jews have a state. Um, you know, in one half of this land or roughly one half of this land and the Palestinians have a state in roughly the other half. Um, so, so there's that. And that was the idea and that was the goal for a really long time. And, 
And like, I'll say that like after 1967, when Israel sort of, uh, won this war and annexed a lot of this land that was supposed to be for Palestine or future Palestine. Mm -hmm. They've, they've been settling different parts of it that have made the idea of like one big continuous Palestinian state on half of this land, like almost impossible. Right. And people are starting to say, let's stop talking about a two state solution because it's not really that realistic anymore, unless you want to take, 500,000 people who are living in the West Bank, Jews who are living in the West Bank and take them out of their homes and move them into Israel proper, which, um, you know, there's not nearly enough political will to do that, even though perhaps there there should be. Anyway, because of that impossibility, a lot of activists on the left are saying, let's just make one big democratic state where everyone gets a vote. And I think a lot of people are afraid of, a lot of Jews are afraid of that. Because of giving up maybe some of power. that power, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the, yeah the, the whole idea of Israel is to like have a, I don't know, or one whole one idea about Israel is is to like be protected. Don't worry, we got you. United States got your back, apparently, right? That's that. That's the thing that they talk about a lot. They're talking about a lot this week is like the U.S. You, the U.S.'s role in all of this, and you've got people on either side of that whole entire uh, conversation. Right. Um, yeah, that's that's true too. Um, and I think one of the things that's really interesting is that um, a lot of uh, peers in the United States have been trying to do for a really long time. Um, really bravely has, has been saying, hey, like we're American Jews and maybe we can't control what Israel's government or whatever, we don't have a vote there, blah, blah, blah. But like we control the institutions that reared us and we control the, the, the politicians who claim to represent us. And so what they've been doing is saying, hey, politicians, we give a lot of money to Israel every year. I think that should be contingent on uh, making sure that we take care of human rights. Yeah. Do you think that's happening? It's definitely not happening. It's, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, unconditional money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Um, um, and, and, and also they say, they, they say to the Jewish institutions, which is interesting, A, I don't think you told the full truth to us about what Israel has been doing. And B, please be a lot more um, unequivocal in your condemnation about human rights abuses. And, and if not, like, I don't know if I want to keep coming to the, your institutions. And that's a big problem for you because actually we're the future of these institutions. They can't exist without the next generation of Jews joining. And so like, right. please, right. please like look like us in, in, in this way. In, in the right. way you have been. And that's, and that's unfortunately um, one of the ways that, that uh, politics go, right? Um, we're, we're, if, if we're not getting the proper representation, at the highest level of what we stand for and what we're giving this money for, then we're going to, we're going to turn the faucet off and we're going to make and, and until, and get the right people in there. And we're not going to give the money until we can, until, until it does do that. Yeah, that's, that's uh, a, <laughs> that is exactly that. That's a really good analysis of, of uh, that, that, that um, political move. If right. You, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I want to thank Brian for coming on. We uh, hopefully we can get to your Lakers game now. What times? What times the game start? Uh, yo, let me plug my computer in. This is a fucking music podcast, isn't it? I want to talk about some music. Yeah, you want to talk All about right. some music? Yeah, All go, right, let's go, go. go get your charger. Let's do it.
I've got some one trick pony, motherfucker. What do you got? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, little background with uh, with Brian. He was your he was your roommate up in Jacksonville. For we a met while. we met at we met at camp um, uh, a long time ago, and um, and and didn't see each other for a while. He moved to Jacksonville, actually, and uh, yeah, we, we lived together, I think, for right around two years. Um, he also had, had helped out with the band a little bit. He's yeah. an accomplished, uh, do we just say saxophonist? I don't want to say saxophonist because I feel like he plays other stuff, but I couldn't tell you what else he plays. We'll have him like when he gets back here with the Charger and tell us all the stuff he does. But yeah, he's an incredible saxophonist. He um, Back in the day when uh, when I had a band there with uh, your wife mm-hmm. and uh, our other friend Nate, um, Brian came in late there in the game and totally uh, changed our sound. It was a lot of fun. We were, you know, this kind of cool electronic like pop band. And then uh, I think Brian came just to like jam with us one time at like just some like whatever gig. <laughs> and he just blew everyone's dick off. Mm-hmm. So then we were just kind of like... Hey, you want to hang around a little bit more? Like, yeah. People seem to like this shit. Exactly. So, and, and we actually it was cool because then we actually got to lay. We actually went into the studio and got to lay down some tracks. So that stuff now is immortalized. So that's it's uh, out there in the world. If you want to go find it, we I've got I've got the I've got the tracks. If the people want to know, it's it's I listen to it from time to time, and a, and a, a tear comes to my eye because it brings me back to those great fun fucking times that we had playing together. Bro, hell yeah. I, I have so many good memories of that. Um, a few. One is the way that you recorded one of the songs was was like so beautiful and brilliant and like, I don't know, reminiscent of some famous producer. Oh, yeah. I used to cut. I, I used to cut. This is how like obsessive I was. I would cut his fucking sack shit up. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> and like, I'm like, I, I'm like, I like, I like it like this. And he'd be like, oh, okay. And like, then he would, he would play it just like that. And I was, and I, and I was always like, I'm so sorry if I'm offending you by doing that. Oh man. What, one of the, so one of the first times we hung out, you, you, uh, I came over to your apartment and you gave me these fat headphones and then you just played all of the beats that that um, were the beats for the tracks that you wanted to record. And you, you just let me improvise over them for like an hour. And yeah, so it was just like, like oh. an hour of content. And then, yeah. and then you like went and you dug into them for like fucking gems that I did not remember that I played. And you like, yeah. you had me like overlay like four different partials mm-hmm. on top of one another so that it just, it sounded like I was making um, like a sax quartet with myself. You were. It, 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 you did. It, you did. You did. Yeah. 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 No. It. It. Uh, it kind of reminded me. I don't know if I ever told you this, but there's this really cool Joshua Redman like Elastic Band record called. Um, what's it called? I don't know. But there's this song called "Put It in Your Pocket" that this jazz trumpet player Nick Payton plays on, and he does that on like while he's improvising, and it's it. it it made me feel a little bit like I was in Joshua Redman's band. Hey, all right. So, do you play? Do you play other other instruments as uh, as well, or is it? Are you still just strictly a sax daddy? Um, that's a good question. I, I like whenever it counts, I play the sax because I feel like I'm like a, you know, I feel like I've, I'm self conscious of the other ways that I um, 
embody musicianship but lately particularly during the pandemic my wife and i have been learning a ton of bill withers songs on the guitar Ooh, oh what's your okay. favorite what's your what, what, what's your favorite he's definitely a peacock the anthem for the the sorry there's a little uh, delay so if i interrupt you it's because of that but the the anthem for the pandemic thus far has been sweet wanomi i don't know that one we're gonna have to we're gonna have to it's a deep cut deep it's cuts. a deep cut yeah what uh? What's yeah? What's um? And what's it? What's what? What music do you uh? What how do you like listen to over there? Like what is like? I I can I take? Let me just take the baton from yeah, you very you, quickly. You go. Um, Brian has a very wide breadth of of musical taste and knowledge. Yeah, it's pretty he, incredible. I mean, just just the jazz stuff alone. Um, you know, he would just there's there's so much there. But he used to get down. I mean, I I think that our we our our musical vines uh, wrapped around each other a lot with just through like the R and B soul funk, jazz, and that's just like the tip of the iceberg, I think. Uh, but yeah. go ahead and answer yeah. the question for yourself, I believe. Uh, yeah, I think breadth is a really cool way of putting it, but also like a ton of depth. You know, I, I was I grew up in jazz schools of the arts, and so. I, it's funny tamar likes to say that i have like huge gaps in my like knowledge of pop culture because from ages 12 to 22 when everyone else was listening to like erica badu's new album i like was listening exclusively to 1950s and 60s jazz and so i like emerged from this cocoon i still have your miles davis book right oh yeah, big Soulquarians fan over here. I think the I think I think every single person that when they first heard D'Angelo all had the same exact reaction. I'm just like, holy shit. I well, I think people heard how does it feel and they go, Okay, this guy's just like a very, you know, I don't want to say one trick pony, but this guy is like he he's got some R and B hits and then unless you really get into it, into the meat, there's just so much more uh, there. By the know? way, for the listeners out there, if you want to get your fucking dick blown off, go check out that Soul Aquarium shit, man. Like, who was that? Quest Love, Badu. It's, like, it's like 20 people, right? Angelo. Bilal. Yeah. Raphael Sadiq. Yo. Mm-hmm. Little, little 2020 tone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah you taught me about Tony Tony night. Tone. <laughs> Jordan um, taught me about that. There you go. But uh, I still have your Miles Davis book, by the way. You're never getting that back. Oh, nice. Or I think he can come get it, right? If you come here, maybe maybe if he comes here. Yeah. Actually going to be there in November, bro. Oh, all right. Yeah, South Florida? Come get your book. South Florida, yeah. Um, right. What was I going to say? Uh, oh, speaking of, uh, so tomorrow's new initials after we changed our name is TKO. So I was trying to tell tell her who Teddy Pendergrass was because like love TKO, you know. Oh yeah, baby. Classic. Teddy. That might that might have been how the baby was made, huh? Yeah. Teddy had a weird ending there. Teddy, take that skirt off. Yeah. Take that skirt off. He take got that a dress little, off, Teddy. He got a little weird at the end, right? Yeah, man. I think he was caught in the. He was pulled over by the police for like a DUI, and he was just dressed as a full woman, and people were freaked out by it. People are always freaked out by men wearing dresses, you know. I'm cool with it. Do whatever I don't get you, it. You know, you know, like if you're gonna, if you can make that music, you can dress however you want. Yeah. That's how I. That's how I go. No one said shit to David Bowie. Right. Yeah. Also, you know, people are becoming much more inclusive of different 
you know, gender expressions to. Is it pretty inclusive over there? How's that? Yeah. What's the What's the music scene like over there? Ah, um, Alex, to your question, <laughs> they. It, I guess it is quite gay friendly in in Israel, but they often use that talking point to like not talk about the issues that they do have in a way like you'll often see people be like how dare you say israel isn't like the most inclusive society we we love the gays it's like like, we're not talking about that right now and like just because you do this one thing doesn't mean the thing i'm asking you to do doesn't apply right now yeah, that's but that's that's always a good blanket. Uh, that's always like a good easy take to have, right? It's just like no, no, no. The gays are cool, but well, all the other fucked up stuff I do, like don't worry about that. Gays are cool. Yeah, well, that's what they were doing when they were protesting here. Like you had like you know those white guys were like, I have a black friend. Like I'm not. Really, it's like <laughs> yeah. bro, by you saying that, like yeah, that alone tells me that you're probably not as tolerant as, as yeah. you think you are. If you're claiming to have a black friend, you, yeah, it's it, just a friend. Yeah, that's if, it. If your black friend was sitting here, he'd be like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, if you have one and you feel the need to announce him, then you probably haven't done a lot of work around this. <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> so, but yeah, the music scene here. Um, so, there's so many different things to talk about. Israel's like an amazingly multicultural place because there have been um, immigration waves from so many different countries. And so, you know, I, I when I was here last, I got really interested in um, the musics from Mizrahi countries. That's that's uh, the like. Middle East and North Africa and like the, the music that, that came from that. And so I was studying, um, I was studying like Yemeni Jewish music and there's like really cool bands called, um, there's one called, uh, what's this, what's it called? The Yemen blues. There's this guy, Ravid Kahalani, who is like this enigma, this like Bowie figure in, in Israel. Oh, I need to get, I need to get these names. You gotta, I, you gotta. Yeah, text yeah. us a list. Text us I, a list. I want to check that Kalani, out. He used to sing for um, for Idan Reichel, but now he's like does his own thing, and he just has this like such gorgeous voice, and it it just like, uh, he, and he's also so um, pro, like he's so he's got such eclectic musical tastes, and so I was went to one of his gigs, and he sang um, "Summer Song." Is that the song, the Stevie Wonder song? that right there just brought me back of when we used to make music together because brian used to always he was a big like he's a scat scatter right yeah well it's yeah it's called yeah scat like you know michael jackson and you know would always do that like he'd be like he would he get the melody there and they'd be like what he would be like what do you think about that and they'd be like yeah put it down man lay that shit down yeah i to be honest like Alex, I, um, I, I, again, like need to thank you for some reason growing up as a jazz musician, like I, I didn't like find good community to like make music in, you know, it wasn't, it, it was always like, learn the, the music of the greats or you're nothing or like, you know, don't share your knowledge with the kid sitting next to, to you because you're competing against him for first chair saxophone, you know? Right. And, well, and so it's like, I didn't have a bunch of bros to, to just like chill with and be like, Hey, like, let's, let's, let's play this song. And like, you, you know, okay, you can play the drums and you can play the guitar. Like, let's do this as a team. It was always like very toxic and very competitive. And like, and I've always felt very insecure about um, playing with people, playing in front of people. And, and like that time in Jacksonville, I remember so fondly is like a time when 
I like was in a really cool community and and could play. Yeah, I don't know, like without a lot of self consciousness. So yeah. it, it's it's funny though because that uh, you bring up a good point there. Isn't that kind of the juxtaposition of jazz, right? Where you're given the 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 free form to kind of st- as long as you stay in the lines, you can kind of do whatever you want, right? But it was never the inclusive nature of hey, let's do a bunch of stuff. Like you said, it's learn the greats. Um, you know, you're gonna. It's the rigidity of almost. You know, the high society are the people who listen to this. This is how you have to do it rather than uh, well, just go out and just have fun and well, just do what you yeah. want. Right? It was a problem that I, it was create. It was a problem that was created by a number of things. One was it set. It seemed uh, and actually, yo, Robert Glasper on the Robert on like black radio. They talk about this where like they stopped. I don't know. Maybe maybe that wasn't where it is. Or I just heard this like sometime during my jazz education. But but back in the day, like jazz music was was big band music. Was music you could dance to. It was like the music for the people, and it was all about connection. You know, all the improvised solos were like three three choruses tops. You know, like forty seconds was the improv. Right. And then at some point the music changed and it became only about improvisation. And so these musicians would play for like 10 minutes straight and play like complex shit. And like, no one can, I can't even listen to that. And I said, it's like miles, like some of miles shit is like that, where it's just like, he's meandering so far down and it's, it's, I don't want to say nonsensical, but there's no true direction to some of it. And you're almost overwhelmed in a sense because it's just, it's, it's like bombarding you sonically. Right. Right. Well, that and, like like music and particularly like African rooted music is so so deeply into rhythm, you know, and groove Mm -hmm. and like like so much jazz became only melody, you know, let me play really complicated. Like no one else will fucking listen to that. (laughs) It makes me feel like I'm having like a panic attack. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I always remember reading about jazz and especially when it was coming out of New Orleans. And I mean, I don't know how tr- truthful it was, but I always liked it. So I, it's, it's my truth. And it was, they say a lot of like jazz, you know, where it came out of was you had all of these different musicians from all, they had all these different ethnic backgrounds and they really actually didn't even really even speak the same language, but jazz was the way that they could all speak the same language. And that's why you had all of these like different improv, like it was all improvising because they all didn't know how to like, uh, verbally you know, communicate. So like they just, they just did it like with their musician, with their, with their Through instruments. Their sound, yeah. And that's how jazz kind of was birthed. Like musical frames of reference. Right. Cool. I've never heard yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, uh, but the, but the, the other thing is like, I, I don't know. I, I also feel like it's, I think it's stupid to call jazz musicians and jazz music jazz because Why? really what it is, is it's improvised music. And so you can, you can improvise on any kind of music, you know? And that's what sure. Robert Glasper is really into. He's saying like, Hey, I, I, I want to make hip hop music and sometimes I'm in a solo, but like, you know, I want Erica Badu to sit in on my records and that's going to sound killing because what he was saying is, is like musicians always evolved with and jazz musicians were supposed to always evolve with the other musics that were going around. If you listen to the music of the 1950s and 60s, like they're going down to Cuba like three times a day and playing like Afro-Cuban music. Like Dizzy Gillespie has a ton of Afro-Cuban records because he right. like they're just they're just their ears are open. 
And at some point they said, we're just going to play jazz and this is what jazz is. Let's draw a box around it. Yeah, jazz does do that a lot. They did it with to Miles with like with Bitches Brew. I mean, I remember when we talk about Patrice Russian, remember how she caught so much flack when cuz she was a classically trained, you know, jazz pianist and then when she started like doing the funk and pop records, the her the whole jazz community was super pissed at her. Yeah, you're breaking you're breaking like the Patrice, Patrice Russian. Russian. Whoa, I don't even know who that is. So Peacock, she's, you do. Uh, you do know. She's the one that uh uh, Forget Me Nots, you know, the Men in Black theme song. Um, she's got, yeah, she's got a you, bunch you of know like, her. really you cool know her. funk and stuff. You should check her out because she's very jazzy and there's like some some like early kind of Prince funk elements that she ties into. Um, she was, was on the, she was signed to Prestige and she put out like three albums with Prestige and then she finally was like, yeah, she went over, she went over, she, then she finally said, fuck it, went over and got like signed to like Capitol or Columbia and started doing like these jazz fusion-y like funk stuff and then really just started going straight to funk and yeah the jazz community was really mad at her because she was like a prodigy you know and they didn't like that and so it's yeah so kind of like what you were saying jazz is one of the only type of genres that are like they 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 try to make it so inclusive that's it is it's it is odd why they do that it also i don't know what you're saying also makes me pissed at just like the public for like trying right. to like pigeonhole musicians, you know, like yes. who's like who? Oh, Sam Cooke, like Sam Cooke was in. I love the story of Sam Cooke. He was in um, the most famous gospel group of all time, and he was like the man at like age eighteen was just killing it in the mm-hmm. biggest gospel group in the world. And at, at some point, he was like, "Okay, I want to start making secular music," and was. I don't know, maybe I'm just editorializing here, but maybe he was like afraid to do so. And like came out with came out with uh came out with a song under the name Dale Cook. <laughs> and it was like okay. Sam Cook's got the most iconic voice ever. Like, of course I know who this is. Yeah. <laughs> You're not you like put the mustache the fake mustache yeah, on. I was about to say he that was like the worst job of trying to hide your identity right there. <laughs> uh-huh. But but it I don't like even more important in that story is like it seemed like the whole community was like this is blasphemous like how dare you start singing secular music like your religious music i don't know it's just like dude let let people let people sing especially yeah people don't get it music is it's meant it's meant to be shared it's meant to like but also too like you got to think like 60s and 70s right that's really when you saw a lot of that fusion and that 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 melding of different types of music into one another right yeah, uh-huh. you know like muscle shoals you know they got this this bluesy kind of funk sound and then the stones roll through mm-hmm. and they want to sound like that yeah and that's not necessarily what their their motif was before and then they they take something away from those recordings and it becomes a part of their their sound yeah. moving forward well, the and white then, man always wanted to sound like the black man we were that's all we're that's all we're ever trying to do is just yeah <laughs> Is that is that shit's better? One of the ways that that uh, that we ruined jazz was by putting it into the, you know, into like formal academic institutions. Like the fuck now, jazz education at the university level costs like sixty thousand dollars a year. All these like poor jazz musicians are leaving school with like hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, and like and also like learning a square jazz because it's like only jazz, jazz education 
class number one and class number two. It's like, no, go out into the street, like play with people, learn other musics. It's become so formalized and so square and vanilla that like it's not as cool as it could be. <laughs> and and actually speaking on that real quick, just tell a quick little synopsis of didn't you didn't you go to the uh, Dominican Republic and kind of and kind of do that? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I, I, it was cool. I, I, I uh, hey, yo, if, if you're ever listening out there and you have an idea and like, there's a scholarship available for you to do something, just apply to the scholarship. Like, I don't know if you, about you, but like, I don't have a ton of money. So I, I've just like gotten some scholarships before. Yeah. Brian is living proof. Brian is living proof that fucking you can get that shit. <laughs> I had a I had a bunch of Dominican students and I wanted to like find out um, more about Dominican music and merengue in particular and so I went down to the DR and I brought oh my god I'm so sad about this I brought a recording microphone and I went down there for three weeks and just used the excuse of having a recording microphone to just interview random college prof- like jazz professors in Santo Domingo and random like Haitian barbers in some r- tiny town about like the political history of the Dominican Republic and about merengue music and about the history of that and the intersection between them and just like I don't know the serendipity of having a microphone and using that as an excuse to just like go around the country and interviewing politicians. And I slept in a former governor's house at one point because of just meeting people. And <laughs> what was that like? How was the bathrooms? Yo, it, the the I think the bathrooms were fine. But but what was cool <laughs> is he it was it was kind of freaky. He, he he had like a famous famous friend who was like a Dominican merengue music like dominican merengue jazz musician and he drove me up into the mountains to go interview this guy and he was like drinking vodka as he was driving me up there and i was just like this is terrifying that's always the story though it's like we gotta go up into the mountains (laughs) and i have to be drinking yeah and it's 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 required it's three in the morning and and you have to and please put this blindfold on yeah you know (laughs) like you're like okay No, it was a fun time. Um, Dominican Republic was really beautiful and, and the music was cool. And I found myself randomly at like 3 a.m. Medangue bars and like just like staring and watching like beautiful people dance all night long. It was so cool. It's those moments in life where you're just like, this isn't too bad. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. This is one of those moments. Yeah, we didn't have that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, we gotta we gotta get off here because we, you know we don't like to get we don't like to like let it run too long. Um, we know we you got the Lakers game going, and uh, we've got to talk about some type of bullshit. I think Jordan's got something. I got for some me. good shit. Yeah, um, Brian. As always, thank you so much. We're gonna we're gonna definitely do this again. Yeah, definitely. You, um, we only really like we just kind of kicked some sand away on the top of that musical mine of stories. Yeah, and I need to kind of I need to get my pickaxe and come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to come back and do a little dig. Yo, thank you so much for having me. Uh, if I can shout out, mom. I know that you're a weekly listener. Yes. Hey, hey, mama sus. <laughs> nah, uh, much love, boys. You guys look well and well fed. And <laughs> like children. Yes, yes, man. Thank you so much. And uh, stay safe, bro.
right, so that was that was fun. Yeah. It's well, and Brian, we're now we're now we're I missed him. I, I miss him, man. I definitely miss him and I got to say now we are officially an international podcast. Yeah, I like right? the steps that we're taking, you know what I mean? We knew we knew these aren't surprising to us. No. But they're fulfilling. Mm. Yeah. That was fun. I hope you guys enjoyed uh enjoyed Brian uh, as well. Um you got a little serious there, but we wanted but I think it was important to see uh, you know, both sides of what's going on, especially someone that's actually like, you know, living there. And uh, he's uh, not just some idiot living there. He's actually an intellect that fucking is, yeah. you know. I think he's pretty well versed in what's going on yeah. over there. So, so um, are you ready? Uh, yeah, let's get into, uh, let's, let's, let's spread our wings. Number 18? Number 18. Okay. Let's get it. Let's do it. Okay. Mm. So, this week's Peacock was a lot of fun for me to do because uh and you'll see and you'll see this week um on the peacocks and music uh playlist which again i we uh, we always have to plug uh, uh guys uh if you if you're first time listening we make a peacocks and music playlist it's on spotify go find it it's called peacocks and music um uh all the peacocks the the musicians the artists that we talk about um uh on this episode and even the past episodes i go i grab all of their music i throw it on on the uh the spot of the, the playlist for you so i make it really easy for you guys to go check it out super fun um i have fun putting it together and i had a lot of fun putting this one together because good god it was hard for, for me not to put this man's whole entire catalog on, on this fucking playlist man and i think you said i'm a little excited because normally i i'm you i'm you, shamed i'm always shamed because not, not, i don't know not only do you know this one but you are very well versed in this ah one. yes so yeah mayor hawthorne Ooh. yeah yes our little blue-eyed soul just beauty. Ugh. Okay. I love it. Yes. Love it. Love it. So love it. This, and this is good because we know this intimately. Yes. But I don't um, know if the Gen Pop has any the clue gen, about this guy. The, the Gen Pop may not know who this guy is, but Mayor Hawthorne is uh, universally universally loved by everyone. I've never met anyone that I haven't played music their music for that they haven't turned around and go, who is this? Correct. He's... Uh, He's just he he turns out an amazing music. So Mayor Hawthorne, uh, let's get into it. February second, nineteen seventy nine to present, still alive. We've got a Oof. we've got a we've got a relevant one. He's still here. He's still kicking out the jams. And like when I say kicking out the jams, churning. Jesus. Um, real name Andrew Mayer Cohen. Oh, a Cohen. We got a Jew. You know what? And I got, I got, I wrote it, and I and I wrote it down here too. He's a producer, songwriter, multi instrument instrumentalist, does it all. Uh, born in Ann Arbor, Michigan. He's Jewish. Had his bar mitzvah at the Temple Beth Emeth. Did I write? Did I say that right? Temple Beth Emeth. Um, that's what it was. Sure. That's what the. That's what it was called. He has bar mitzvah at the Temple Beth Emeth in 1992. I thought I, I gave you that little nugget. Uh, February 17th, 2001. That yeah, that was Melbourne, Florida. There you go. The day, the day I became a man. Yeah, man. On my 13th birthday. I always like that about uh, the Jewish religion where you guys become men at the age of, was this? 13. 13? Yeah. There's some sometimes Which 12, I agree with. Yeah. You know? That's, yeah. That's, I mean, come on. That's like, you're now a teen. There's a little hair on the balls. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Know? 
Yeah, like, bushy. Mm-hmm. And I and that's when it's like, all right, you're now you're gonna carry you some can, of the water. You can do shit now. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's no more like go drive play this with car. You. Yeah, exactly. But, right. <laughs> um. So, uh, just a quick uh, before we get into it, this guy is uh, relevant. Again, he's going to be another peacock where the music does the talking. Yes, very so, much so. Yeah. Um, so his father uh, taught him bass at the age of five. Love him. Thank you. Yeah. And I looked into his dad. His dad was in a pretty big uh, jazz band out of Michigan. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Like they were like pretty big on the circuit there. And uh, um, so his dad taught him bass at the age of five. Um Fast forward to uh, he uh, he was in a couple he was in a couple uh, he was a producer in a couple of hip hop groups before he started doing the soul R and B funk really? stuff that he does now yeah and I grabbed the one of them uh, was called the Athletic Mike League love that and the other one was called uh, uh, Now On those were the two names of the two group two rap groups okay and I put. I've their stuff's on Spotify and I and I put it dog you got to hear this shit. I am This is that, Dilla shit, yo. This is some of that stuff that like I'm I'm now like I'm always excited to go into the office Monday Tuesday because those are the days I really like I I I internalize it and listen to it and kind of like write down my thoughts. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm running to. As yes. soon as I get to work, I'm putting that on. Dude, I was like I I kind of known that he was like you know like a producing a rap group before like you know he started like doing the soul stuff, but when I when I ran into these two groups I was like oh my god this is so fucking good just a treasure trove bro it was like just that Dilla jazz funk like head knocking yeah like it was Michi- a Michigan a Michigan guy so of yeah. course he's got that Dilla influence yeah it's so good yeah Athletic Mike League and now on so he was in those and in there he was known as DJ Haircut. Love that DJ haircut. That was what that was. That was his. That's what he before he was Mayor Hawthorne. And by the way, Mayor Hawthorne is uh, taken from uh, obviously his middle name was Mayor, and Hawthorne was the avenue that he grew up on, Hawthorne Ave. Love it. Mm-hmm. Always, always, you always. Uh, street streets have well, always have a special place in my heart. Yeah, but just in general, I, I love that. That's something everyone is just like. Yeah, this is where I'm from. Yeah, it, it is. It, it is like everyone. Everyone can uh, totally relate to that. It's like, yo, I grew up on just 109th and Lennox. What's good? Yeah, yeah. Is that? Is that? I think that was a uh, big. It sounded L. dope. I think that was Big L. That sounded dope. Yeah, <laughs> I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. Um. So after the rap group stuff, he, um, you know, he was fucking around and he was messing around with like some soul music stuff and. Try and kind of getting into like you know more band and soul music and that type of things and it was early on and so he was just covering you know songs and he wanted to put out this like little uh, e- this little EP this like three track EP that he that he had did like covering these songs and kind of sampling these songs but he couldn't pay for the samples so uh, Mayer said fuck it I'll sing it. So he sang oh. these old Marvin, you know, songs and samples on like his his uh, newly produced songs, and um, was giving them out to anybody who would take them. 
And, of course, as it always goes, it lands into the lap of Peanut Butter Wolf of Stone's mm. Throw Records. Yes. So, And if anyone doesn't know, uh, Stone's, the legendary Stone's Throw Records uh, is ran by Peanut Butter Wolf. I mean... They we're got, a Stone's Throw podcast. We're a Stone's Throw podcast through and through. Mayor's on it. Mad Lib's on it. Dilla's on it. Like... That just... That's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. That's all just... If start you, there. If you want... Yeah. If you want to, like, listen to, like, you know, good rap, just good music, like, you can just go look up Stone's Throw catalog and just you just go have at it. And that's a lot of... I mean, our influences. Um, Absolutely. What stuff we bonded over very early on is just, like... Absolutely. Right there. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Peter Butterwolf loved it, signed him, him immediately to Stone's Throw. He's still on Stone's Throw to this day. Um, which, and you know what? I, I, I was listening to uh, Talib Kweli's podcast last week, and um, that was something that I, that I learned this week. Madlib's not on Stone's Throw anymore. They left. They kind of had a little... Uh, really? They had a little parting in the way that like they, they, Madlib was on uh, Talib Kweli's uh, um, podcast talking about it, and you could tell Madlib didn't really want to talk about it. Ooh. So it was like a little. You know, still, he's like, yo, we went our separate fresh. ways. It's like, still whatever. Fresh. But yeah, Mad Lib's not on Stone Stone anymore. Damn. And shout out to Mad Lib. Mad we, Lib, saw Mad him, Lib. Uh, we saw him in Chicago. Yeah, boy. Drinking that. Well, he, had, he remember he had the wine glass. He, he, had just, the, he was regal with it. The wine glass on stage with the bottle of wine in a set. And I think he said three words the whole time. Uh-huh. And it was the same three words. And it was just, rest in peace to Dilla. Yep. That's mm-hmm. all he said. That's all he the whole saying. set. Yeah, that was cool. I don't think I've ever seen a DJ with a with a with a wine glass. Yeah, it was a whole it was a whole mood. Like when you got a DJ up there, like throwing down like these beats, and then he's got like he's drinking like a you know a nice Chianti. It's like whoa. That was a vibe too, just for us because we had we had gone to Chicago uh, for Scotty's birthday, right? Yes. And we were there for Pitchfork Music Festival. Yep. And um, you know we got to see. Um, uh, Parliament Funkadelic, which we've talked about before, was, was a disappointment. But mm-hmm. we also got to see a tribe called Quest first show wow. since yeah, Five Dog five. had mm-hmm. passed, um, which Killed. was which was. And we both, it's funny, we both looked at each other very early on in the set, and I don't know if I've ever been to a definitely a hip hop, n- not a hip hop show, but that might have been um, maybe the most and well enunciated like oh, performance yeah. I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah. Like Q tip was just so on point. And everyone, you could hear every single word. And everyone knows like, you know, with those rap shows, that's really always the downer of any rap show is you can't hear what the fuck anyone's saying. Terrible quality. Just, the hype man's yelling over him, the DJ's Gripping yelling the mic over him. Yeah. yeah. The guys like half drunk smoking weed up there, just like, you know, just whatever doing his lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. Well enunciated. Yes. Which uh yeah. Um so, Stone Throw Records, uh, he puts, 2008, puts out, uh, Just Ain't Gonna Work Out, puts out his first, like, you know, a little teaser there, great success, goes on to put out, like, three or four more albums of his own solo stuff, um, all of it fucking gold, mm. I mean, you can all just, of it. you can close your eyes and just point to any one of his, like, his songs on his solo stuff, and it's just... You you wouldn't. That's another thing too. When you listen to Mayor, you're gonna, not gonna believe me when he's when I tell you the boys he's white as white as fucking the driven snow. You don't get much whiter. This guy, I mean, he's he sounds like this like an old Sam Cooke, like an old. He's, he's just crooning, hot, man. Yeah, crooning. Really good stuff, and he's and he lives a life. You know, like when you go see him, when you see him on his album covers, he's dressed to the nines. Mm-hmm. Like he's super regal. I used to during the pandemic, uh, during the quarantine and stuff. Um, 
every Thursday he did wine and vinyl hour. Um, and he would sit there, yeah, and live stream like him at the house, just going pulling out vinyls. And uh, I actually bought one of his shirts and stuff. It was uh, it was it was really cool. That so yeah, he lives that life. Yeah, I think actually it was cool too. This the uh, this just ain't gonna work out EP. Um, he put out on uh, a heart shaped vinyl. I've, I've seen, yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. You have it, right? I've no, seen- I don't have it. I, I, it's, it's one of those I wish I, I, I had, but I, I never, I never purchased it. But that, that, that's those things are always like super cool. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um. So one of the things that I kind of knew but didn't really know is he plays every single instrument on on, on his albums. Oh, so on the, we on have, his solo stuff. We have the Prince syndrome again. He, play, I didn't know that. Like, like everything. Like, so he orchestrates it all. There's nobody else on there. Wow. Yeah. Which I was like, whoa. And anytime that that's the case, I mean, you got to give a little bit more of a nod because it's not like they're only going in there. They're a great writer and they can sing. It's not that he could only, you know, play one instrument and that's it. It's he can go in and play it. Everything he can sing it, he can record it, he can mix it, master it, and yeah. put it out. There's a whole different. There's a whole different uh, beast that you're dealing with when you're creating music and someone else is coming up with the riff, and then it's your turn to like you know fill in your part. When compared to you, have a whole con- a whole concept. Yeah. For every song, you have to like when you're laying down the piano part, you're thinking about the drum part that's going to be being put over it. Exactly. So it's a whole different type of brain. Yeah, that's totally, doing that. Totally, totally. Um, plays all of his own shit, um, and then uh, you know he's got a lot of others like collabs that he did with a lot of ton of other people. I won't go through them because there's just a, a huge list. But the other main one that yeah. we will have to, I mean, we I was just, about to say you- that we have to just you know, touch on, and it's probably our favorite type of mayor is yes, yes. his, um, is his, uh, project that is still alive and well, uh, that he does with Jake, uh, Jake Uno. Yep. Uh, called tuxedo tuxedo. I remember, Tell I remember Tell the him. day that I was at your house. I remember I, the day I said, you, re- Yo. you received <laughs> someone like knocked on the door. You had received a package and it was that vinyl and you were like, yo, I just got this. We got to Like, I was like, yo, throw it on. And it's got that, that very kind of old timey kind of like Cuban cover. Uh, and, and he's digging for it right there. There it is. It's got the, it's just got the man with the, the, the dress shoe and the two women's legs I just, and one just wrapped I, I, I around it. I just pulled it, it out because I could, I, when you were talking about, it, I could see it like right there. It was sitting right there. Just looking right at you. Yeah. And we just put on song one. And we just didn't, and it, you know it's always a classic. What's when you song put, one? What's the first Lost one? Lover. Oh, Lost yeah. Lover. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, and this one we come on back to me. When this played, we just looked at each other and we're like, oh, it was it, it, things the, the times were now things had changed after that. Yes, it was. No one was doing this music at the time. No, it was a different sound from a different looking guy that should be making it. It was just so many factors came together where we both just fell in love immediately. Heavy. Heavy, like '80s electro funk, man. Like synth, yeah. Like, bass, like clean, clean funk by these two white boys. Um, just incredible, incredible. If you like funk music and you like neo funk music, go tuxedo is you're going to be your bible. I have every one of their uh, 
their yeah. their albums on wax. Their well, tuxedo is a go to for me. I think I had I, I played like three or four of their songs on uh, on, uh, on on Friday night. I oh, mean, look, yeah. at, look at the inside of that cover. Yeah, I know. I mean, the inside of that cover with the rolling. Fucking the old school rolling fucking on there with just a half naked chick. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, Looks like Rosario Dawson almost. It does. You know? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, um, Tuxedo is the truth. I remember when that album came out, I I think I would play, I, whenever I would have gigs, I would, pl- I would play every single song. I, I, I would mix them into each other and just didn't give a fuck. Yeah. it was that good. I was like, I don't even care that these are all the same songs. This is stuff that needs to get out. To more people. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter who you are, what you like. This is something that you should like. And Tuxedo like is just the coolest name for, yeah. that, for that band, too. Yeah, definitely. It's just, like, so fitting, no pun intended. Exactly. Yeah. So, Tuxedo, definitely check it out. Um, and like I said, all that stuff is on. I, I put on Peacocks and Music, and I mean, dude, you're, you, might, you might be mad at me because I added, like... I think I might have added like 25, 30 songs because no, they just perfect. had to be on there. I, I kept going, so I'm like, this has the people have to hear the song. Well, that's a good that's a good problem to have when you're trying to choose songs and you you don't want to offend the artist by not including certain cuts because you're just now like, yeah. oh fuck, I got to put them all on there. And he's got he's totally has the stamp of approval from the black community. Like he's Kendrick Lamar. He collabs with Kendrick. Tons of stuff with Snoop Dogg. Like. You know he's got the whole total stamp of stamp of approval from uh, from the black community as well, so you know that's that 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 when always, you get that cosine, yeah, well, it's, that bump it's official, yeah. yeah. So that's your Peacock and music, Mayor Hawthorne. Go check it out on Spotify. Um, I I would be absolutely surprised if anybody didn't that doesn't like Mayor. Yeah, I want some feedback. If you're gonna go check this stuff out. Hit us up in the text, DM us, just whatever. Let us know that you're feeling it because we know you're going to. Yeah, and, and like, the, and, he, and he's actually a go-to for me whenever anybody ever asks. If I'm at like a pool party, uh, background music at a dinner party, if I'm it in, fits the car, so in the many, car, on it a fits dro- so many different. Yeah, uh, on a road trip, so many hats. Someone asks, "Hey, what should we play?" I almost seventy-five percent of the time, I usually go put put on Mayor Hawthorne. Yeah, because it will just. Everyone, everyone's gonna love it. It's just guaranteed. Correct. Yes. So yeah, if you guys are ever looking for something, and you've got a couple hours to kill in the car, throw Mayor on the pack in the background, and uh, you'll find yourself every once in a while, uh, you know, uh, leaning into that volume button. Yeah. Oh yeah. So there's your peacock, baby. Yeah, Mayor's the man. Mayor's yeah. the man. You can't go wrong with him. Um, great episode so far. I think we've got one last little uh, one I, last little thing to go into here. I think you had something for me. You're teasing me. You, you're not. You you wouldn't give me. You wouldn't give it up. You were sitting uh, over on the uh, the couch in the studio, and you were 
teasing me and you were trying to think of bands and stuff and well, i was like you know whenever whenever people are trying to think of bands i'm always like what what do you want yes so what do you want to dive so in for before we do that i just want to give a quick uh we got an r.i.p this week most of the time we get a lot of those you know throughout the weeks and Mooney? stuff yes yeah man paul mooney rest in peace dude funny as fuck if you don't know who paul mooney oh my is god just consider him essentially the godfather of black comedy yeah that's if you don't know you, you don't know until you know yeah i mean you're talking sanford and sons good times wrote for snl for richard pryor Chappelle show Chappelle show oh even god. later on he was in he was, yeah, in he a, was richard pryor's like main writer yeah, yeah yeah and this guy if you've never watched his stand-up Come get it. Come get offended. It's hilarious. It's, it's usually always, you know, the the black versus white kind of just like observational humor. But funny, it's I fucking I will howl. I do in laughter Dude, when he... I watch it because I just lo- I love that that type of stuff. Yeah, the in your face but fucking hilarious comedy. And yeah, it, and it's just if you've never listened to him or don't know who he is, just like Mayor Hawthorne, go fucking oh listen to God. all of it so and laugh funny. with us. What was the segment that he used to do on the Chappelle show? Ask uh, a black dude. Ask a yeah, ask a black the black man or ask a black dude. Yeah, that was the name of the segment. It was at, like ask a black dude with Paul Mooney. Yeah, and like he would just sit there, and, you know, and just say like the funniest, but right on the nose shit. And his his and nobody want and nobody want to be black until they're yeah, black. You're yeah, saying, like whatever he says, like. But his that that exact shtick right there. That's his stand up is is just sixty minutes of that. Yeah, it's so good. So yeah. uh, just want to give a shout out to him. Rest yes, in peace, Paul yes, Mooney, yes, 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 yes. the Godfather. Uh, blessings. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> this is something that I've been I've been getting into, and you know we've talked about this before with. Um, with the music, hold on one second here. Um, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Um, I, this has been something that happened to me recently, and I'm just, you know, we we sometimes we're we're guys where we're just a this guy or that guy. Uh huh. I am now. Um, I'm a flute guy. You're a flute guy. I'm a flute guy, and here's why. Wow. I found a band. Um, that I had some preconceived notions about, okay. but I didn't know about them. And then I found out that they made flute, to me at least, cool and rock and roll. And that band um, is Jethro Tull. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> oh, it's, music, that it's music that I feel like I'm riding a majestic steed into a faraway land music. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Um Jethro Tull, you think it's um? Well, that's the that's and that's what that's, I want to get into is because I thought it was something some totally different. Fucking... Yeah, like I thought it was like almost not. I don't want to say death metal, but more like hard yeah. hard rock. Yeah. And then I found out that it's not, and that made me think: What are certain groups or bands that when I when when someone says they're a fan of, they make you? Like that that tells you something about that person. Like I don't want to say you judge that person. And I have some examples here. Oh god, Dave Dave Matthews band. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's one. When someone says they like Dave Matthews, I'm like, okay, got it. So I'm gonna say a couple bands it. here and then you're gonna know and you're gonna Dave tell Matthews me. Dave Matthews band is like for me. Okay, I like that. Uh the first one is Metallica. Yep, 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 yep. You're, you're yeah. They're blinded. You're a mid thirties, forty year old white dude. 
You got you the are Oakley gonna, sunglasses on. You're going down with that ship, and you have no problem with it. Yeah. Um, the next one, which I I identify with a little bit uh, more recently, but if you say you're a fan of this group, I definitely know who you are as a person. Grateful Dead. Yeah, that's a good one. My deadheads out there. Yeah, shout the out deadheads out there. They're a little bit. They're not as uh, I wouldn't say they're as snobbish as maybe the Metallica uh, fans are. Like they're a little bit more open. Yeah, oh no, definitely, things. definitely. That's there's very love, peace, and 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 just I, like because you know me, like I'm not the biggest deadhead. No, and I have I voice that uh, pretty much every single time the, the conversation comes up. And you do. The deadheads are always very to each his own. Now, you say that type of shit to, like, you know, a Metallica person, they're going to tell you you don't know what the fuck you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, go Mitch, fuck hey, yourself. Mitch Hedberg's, like, the fucking God's given. Get the fuck out of here. Yes. Okay. Uh, Sublime. Wow. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Especially if you're still listening to it. I like Sublime. But, I, but exactly. You but, know what type of person I am or who, you know. Yes. If, if Are you still listen to Sublime? Uh, uh, some select cuts. It's not like a you know um, I'm putting it on all the time situation. I, I like. I mean, I, I I mean I still like Sublime too, but it's it's like I I need like the deeper ones. Like if you put on like you know uh, love I is hope, what I, thought, I got. Like I thought I'm you a, were gonna say the one my my favorite song, which is Pawn Shop. Yeah, like that's I like that. That's shit. A, yeah, that's, that's, that's a jam. Yeah, that's a that's a vibe. Right, those old ones, especially when they get into like the punkier little things. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Journey. Journey. That tells me something about you. You know, Journey was a weird one for me because I, uh, growing up, I, yeah, I trashed them. They were like that band to, to, to me. I was like, Journey, what the fuck? They're, you know. So am I misrepresenting no. them? No, no. And then, it, well, honestly, you know what it was? They got uh, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. And about, this was probably about four or five years ago when they got inducted and, and I was watching the ceremony. And that's when I turned and I said, you know what? This is actually a really good fucking band, and this lead singer is fucking incredible. Also, uh, maybe top ten band shirts of all time. I feel like they got their big band shirt hall. You of know fame. what? You know what? I always uh, thought was incredible about them that like I've never seen any other uh, artist really do. They have so many songs, and especially within that song, the chorus, like the song, like the part of the song that you know and you sing out loud. They are no word. They they have so many songs. They're just like na 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 na. Like yeah. they have so many songs that are just like sound. Them just doing the melody and not even applying lyrics, and they're fucking platinum gold records. And I used to think that I was like that to me is incredible because usually you as an artist you want you want to apply lyrics there. Yeah, you want and that they, to be the catchiest part. And they were and they were just like they said nah man fuck that like just. Ride with that melody and and just like that, and we'll we'll just we'll just do that. Yes. Um. So in an effort to kind of be inclusive here, I'm going a little off the wall here. Gwar. Oh my god, <laughs> dude. Um. <laughs> I like that. I've I've dude, pe- I've tickled so, the fancy here. Yeah. So Gwar again, another one that I was like, get the fuck out of here, and. I didn't go to see the show, but I had a friend that went, and he was showing me the video. Have you ever seen them live? No. Well, I've seen what they look like. You see what they do live? Oh yeah. It looks like ton of fun. Yeah, I'm I into that shit. Like that. I'm gonna put. I want to put a poncho on and get fucking front row and have some fake blood and come like shooting on me. Yeah. Like they 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 dress up as like minotaurs. If you guys don't know about there for gore, they dress like, up as like crazy. They're like it's like exaggerated, um, just like knights. 
uh, like intergalactic nights of of, and, of war and blood. Yeah. yeah, and like their guitar, the ends of the guitars are spewing out blood in the crowd. Like it's just in crazy times, big big babies dressed up and like spewing breast milk and just yeah. So it's, it's part of the whole theatrical. <laughs> it's like it's like what was that guy named? It's like Gallagher. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, oh, like yeah. the comedian meets like, you know, death metal. Yes. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But that tells me something. Artistic though. Like that, but it's not like as I used to like oh Guar, like, wow, what a gimmick, like with like terrible music. But then I saw it and I was like, you know what? This is art. I I'm I'm into this. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I like that you had a take there. Yeah. Well, did you see you my reaction? I was like Yeah. Um the next two are similar time frames and I know your opinion but let's just i'm gonna throw it out there pink floyd oh yeah do you know my opinion on that uh yeah but i'd like you to state it for the record so for the record um you know again as i am a musical snob i get it from my father uh you know dark side of the moon pink floyd all that stuff can um can go take a back seat that first album uh um what was it? Spiders at the Gates of Dawn, I believe it's called. Spiders at the Gates of Dawn. That's again, again, Pink Floyd is, is another is is another one of those bands, just like Fleetwood Mac, where Fleetwood Mac had Peter Green in it originally. Yeah. yeah. And and P, and Peter Green created the original sound for Fleetwood, and then he and he left like pretty much, you know, after about one album, and then Fleetwood Mac went on to like, you know, do what they do. But Peter Green was essential to the creation of Fleetwood Mac. And Pink Floyd is the same exact way with they had their Peter Green. His name was Sid Barrett, mm-hmm. and Sid Barrett was the first. If if you if you ask me, and I think most people would agree, he was the first guy to do psychedelic music. He was the very first guy that was doing psychedelic music. He was taking acid. He was all into that. He was the first to create that sound. That first album, Spiders at the Gates of Dawn, is a fucking absolute trip fest. And like then he left because he actually got institutionalized because he fucking took like way too much fucking acid and shit. Mm. And it's actually, he's actually has a very incredible story. Um, but again, essential to creating Pink Floyd's psychedelic and what you hear now with like Dark Side of the Moon and all that shit. That was Sid Barrett, and then he left, and then they, and then fucking what's his name ran with it, uh, David Gilmore. And he and, ran with it and, and, and your, really commercialized it. And your take on them? Is um, I will only listen to that first album. That's it. Yeah, that uh, uh, Dark Side of the Moon will never. I have it, but you will never see me play it. It's just there for like you know. You just have to have it in yeah. your collection. Yeah, there's there's a we, we should make a list of. You'll those. never hear money being played in this fucking household. Heard. <laughs> you know what I mean. And then the last one I have, um, similar a little bit later, but um, maybe maybe closer to the Metallica uh, realm, but ACDC. ACDC is the fucking shit. Yeah, but that's a specific... Like, you know... Yes. When someone says ACDC, you're like, okay, I know some stuff about you now. ACDC is the fucking shit. I almost actually did them as a peacock a few weeks ago, so I did my extensive research on them, and they will. I will be doing a peacock, uh, peacock on them. There was just too much to do, so I, I kind of switched gears on it. That fucking band's the shit, and the, what's it, Ang, Ang, uh, Angus Young? Yeah. The guitarist in yeah. there? 
you could easily throw him in top five guitars. Okay, that was a, a uh, that's a surprising, as a music snob, that's that's a little bit of a mainstream, um, I'm a little surprised by that take. Well, you got, you got to, because again, kind of like what we're talking about with these blanketed statements that people give to these bands, ACDC, you think they're just hard rock, like, you know, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And you, if you actually go and check out like their catalog, they got they, those guys can fucking boogie, man. And especially when their uh, their lead, when they changed band uh, lead, because their fucking their original band uh, lead singer fucking just got like way too like conked out on fucking drugs, so they had to get rid of them. And then that's when Brian, uh, Brian, not Brian Jones, I can't remember Brian something. Uh, came into the band and really had that yeah, that fucking voice yeah. that sounded like this. Yeah. Um, but it's it, that British that, kind of like screaming. They're just, Australian. Really? Uh, Australian. The Dundee Horns once again have surprised <laughs> us. Oh. See that that's a thing though where Australian. we Australia Australia and the UK they they could intermingle and intertwine and you wouldn't even know. I would have See? no idea. I just was I just got schooled. Australian. They're Australian. Yes. Yes. Okay, so that's that was my list, and I know you already said DMB as well, which I totally agree with you. Okay. Do you have any uh, any any other bands where positive or negative, you're kind of judging or like that says enough about the the those people? Um, yeah, so Dave Matthews Band, yeah, any, like, that's just, if you, if you, uh, like, Dave Matthews Band, you are a very specific person, and, and usually from, in my experience, the people that listen to Dave Matthews Band only listen to Dave Matthews Band for the rest Ugh, of their life. Like, of they camp, don't listen to A lot of to, camp folk that listen to them, yeah. and I never was into them. Um, another one for me, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Okay. That's one, you know, people that listen to that, like, I already got you. I already, I know exactly who you are. Yes. You, your, 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 your parents hung out with my parents back in the day. Okay. I like, <laughs> I like your parents. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is another, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm well, trying if to you guys out there, you guys got spot. any good ones too. Um, that's why I didn't want to tell you. Cause I wanted to a put you on the spot and B get your reaction. Like that gore reaction was everything I wanted. Yeah, like you this if you listen to ABBA, I know exactly who you are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um yeah, uh I'm trying to think of uh, just an, I'm trying to give you one more nugget in there. Um cuz there's a lot of like very topical ones where it's just like, yeah, okay, we get it, but it, there's other ones like if if you're if you know a lot of like deep cut Rick James. I'm I know I know who you are. Yeah. I don't need to know much more. And you're, I know you're my friend. Yes, you're my friend and yeah. we've known each other. I, I mean, I played. Did you did you uh, did you pick up on that deep cut uh, Rick James I played on Friday night? That mm. Stone City band, it's his backing band. Yeah, 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 the yeah. Stone yeah. City band. Yeah, played that Love Hassle. Okay, no Love Hassle. Mm. Maybe I was playing that deep cut. I was getting them out on Friday. Yeah, you were. Um, but yeah, that was that was my list. If you guys have any good ones, also hit I'll us up. I'll let put us meatloaf know. in there. That's my last my final one. Meatloaf. Meatloaf. <laughs> meatloaf. Okay. Meatloaf's got a weird contingency. Okay. He's, I like he's that. He's got a weird he's got a weird following there. Great name. Yeah. Uh pretty uh an underrated musician too. People think of him as like, you know, bad out of hell. The guy actually is like totally got like crazy orchestras like in his shit. Okay. Um but uh boom, another one in the books. Ah, oh, it felt good. This this episode definitely 
Like you, like I said earlier, instead of zigging, we zagged today, mm-hmm. and I, I'm really happy with the results. I think it was eye opening. It was a good, good conversation with Mr. Oren. Yes, and uh, you know we're we're here to just. What was that middle name? Hana Hanan 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 Hanan. Yeah, you got a you got Hanan. a better than that. Yeah, it's like Brian Hanan and Hanan Oren Hanan and Oren. Yeah, yeah. I love that that was that was that was funny when we were like, oh he gives your name. He's like, I actually just changed it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. Uh yeah. If you got a better middle name story than him, yeah, you better uh, you Good better luck. Yeah. Alright guys, uh we'll see you next week. As always, rate, subscribe, review, um, like buttons, thumbs up buttons, um, shoot us some emails. We haven't gotten a couple emails in a in a, in a couple weeks. Yeah, uh, we'd like to hear on, from guys. you guys. Get in there. Shut Don't. the funk up podcast at gmail.com. Say it to him again. Shut the funk up podcast at gmail.com. You know, like if you've got, uh, if you hear stuff, if you've got like opinions, if you, uh, if you didn't like the chuggies, if they're, if you, if you, if you found out you were a chuggy last week, let us know. Mikey, you're, you've been synced. Yeah. No more Santa con for you, bud. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we'll see you next week. Uh, locked and loaded. See you later. Deuces.